Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. Before we get into talking about some of the recent recruiting pickups for UConn, I wanted to take more of a look back at some of the, the recruiting over the past couple years. We've seen a coaching change at UConn with Dan Hurley coming in. What have been some of the bigger, uh, biggest differences in the levels of talent and the types of talent that uh, Kevin Ollie brought into UConn towards the end of his stint and what Dan Hurley's been doing since he's uh, gotten this job at UConn? Yeah, I think, I, I, honestly, I don't think it's a giant rift between where they were to where they are now. Um, I mean, uh, Kevin Ollie was, you know, the injury to Altree Gilbert really hurt. Um, some late bloomers really didn't pan out as much. Um, but there still were some guys early on, you know, Stephen Enoch um, and, and those types. Um, but now we're seeing year after year, um, you know, Hurley stack up solid class after solid class. Reclassify guys, um, high school commitments, transfers, you know, RJ Cole and Tyrese Martin. So he's kind of hit um, every every aspect that is uh, college recruiting now. Talk about some of the differences in recruiting for UConn going forward now that they're in the Big East versus what things were like back in the American and how Dan Hurley might be able to use that to his advantage. Yeah, you know, the AAC just – it wasn't – it didn't have the identity, you know, it didn't have that staying power, especially in the niche area that UConn is known for in, in the Northeast and New England area. Kids, they, they grew up around the biggies. Um, the AAC is still, what is, what is the AAC? Um, most kids don't even know to name four or five schools in that conference. Um, to where the Big East, it's everyone knows the Big East. It's nationally relevant. Um, it's the Madison Square Garden. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of branding that goes along with being part of the Big East, which only enhances their ability to recruit the best kids in their area. When you're talking with recruits, uh, what are their thoughts on Dan Hurley and the UConn staff uh, and their recruiting prowess and uh, you know how, how they've been doing out on the trail? They just love their work ethic, man. I mean, they're go-getters. And Coach Hurley, as we know, just like his dad and just like his brother at Arizona State, um, they're not going to back down. Um, they're going to go after the best. And until they don't get them, uh, they, they are not going to stop working it. Um, they work recruiting. They work coaching. You know, every, every angle, um, it's about work for Coach Hurley and his coaching staff. So one thing I've, I've got to ask, given kind of the new normal for right now, has been these virtual recruiting visits. What are you hearing about what these recruiting visits are like uh, for recruits and, and on the coaching side as well? For the coaching side, they love it because they'll be the first to tell you it's, it's kind of a pain, these visits, man, these official visits that last 48 hours, and you add one after another, um, it gets time monotonous. So to have – to, to kind of narrow an official visit, in a sense, into, you know, a 25, 30-hour um, timeline. Um, they love it. They love it. I mean, it's quick and to the point, and they know they have 
the prospects and their family's attention right there. And from the prospect side, they love it too because they can really, you can do two or three a day and compare and contrast each program within a matter of 24 hours compared to maybe, uh, you know, three weeks um, beforehand. Yeah, de- definitely interesting. And definitely the way uh, Coach Hurley really interacted of late with, with their uh, most recent recruit that, that uh, has verbally committed, and that's in uh, Sonogo. Can you talk a bit about that process and how that went down? It, it seems like he was pretty pretty much a, a Seton Hall favorite for a while. And then, uh, you know, UConn had still been pursuing him and, and ultimately came out, came out uh, on top towards the end here. Yeah, I think just the relatability he had with that coaching staff there and Coach Hurley and having his ties in the uh, the Jersey area. Um, and I think R.J. Cole, the relationship there, having someone that's been there, done that, um, sitting out for a full year at UConn, speaking highly about that program, that definitely um, worked in their favor for sure. What, what what do you think uh, he, he, he'll bring to the team ne- next year in, ter- in terms of his abilities on the court? You know, from a skill set perspective, he's definitely improving. Um, he's definitely getting better as a 12-foot-in producer. He's better with his facing the basket, um, hitting the open jump shot. But his bread and butter is still um, doing work around the rim. I mean, he's a great rim runner, blue-collar kid, uh, works his tail off. Um, shot sh- shot changer, uh, volume rebounder, two-handed finisher. So in, in that regard, it's hard to find true five men, and that's exactly what he is. They also have another big guy coming in, uh, a Canadian in Javante Brown-Ferguson. What, what's the quick scouting report on, on him and what he'll bring to the team? Yeah, he's a skyscraping center. Um, you know, he's probably more talented than Sonogo, but he's also um, – Higher upside, but production might not be there as quickly as Nogo. But we're talking about a seven foot big man that can run the floor like a six foot five wing. Um, great hands, great touch, um, great length, shot changer as well, shot blocker, more of a shot blocker than a shot changer compared to Snogo. But, uh, you know, he's kind of like a baby giraffe. I mean, he's getting there, has to get stronger, has to get more experience, but I love his upside. And the last of the incoming freshmen that, that I want to talk about is I think the guy who, who's the highest rated recruit coming in with this class, and, and that's Andre Jackson. What, what are your thoughts on, on him and his game? Yeah, we're talking about an you know, elite-level athlete um, in regards to even NBA singers. Um you know, he's a kind of a dual two, three, four, might be even best as a small ball power forward. But he's phenomenal out in the open floor. Um, you know, a tremendous finisher at the basket, has a good feel for the game, has a lot of value as a rangy defensive wing forward. Jump shot has to improve. That's his primary uh, drawback right now. But from a physicality perspective, from an athleticism standpoint, he checks all those boxes. In, in terms of these three freshmen coming in, is it Jackson who you, who you think could have the, the most immediate impact on the team next year? For sure, especially with the injury to a cook a cook um, and the need for someone like that. You know, Josh Carlton's kind of a forgotten man there, but Josh is, I mean, he's a productive five man. So. He's going to be someone that, that gets a lot of playing time. Um, so I think Snogo is going to contribute um, here and there, but Jackson might be a lot upon the most. 
In, in terms of, of the guys that, that came in last year, I, I think one guy that, that everyone was expecting a lot out of um, and ultimately proved uh, what he can do on the court was James Booknight. From, from what you had seen in, in his recruitment, how impressed were you by what he was able to do uh, you know, at the collegiate level last year? Yeah, I don't want to say he's a boomer bust prospect, but he definitely had a lower floor and a higher ceiling compared to most others. But it was a matter of just consistency with him because the talent level was always, I think we rated him around a top 75 prospect in 2019. He always had much greater talent than that, but it was more about consistency and doing it night after night. And that's what we saw from him. Uh, he's a super confident offensive basketball player that can really score the bat, score the ball, good athlete, a lot of value as a defender in the backcourt, and he proved all those marks um, towards the latter half of last year. And as soon as one recruiting class closes, uh, I mean, it's already time to, to really start thinking about 2021. Are you, are you, have, uh, do you have any insight in, into who UConn's really targeting heading into that 2021 class? Yeah, I don't think they've really done a whole lot just yet, but they're going to start inv- investing much more into that class. Just because, you know, it was more about, you know, Snogo, uh, a transfer in Tyrese Martin, and figuring out what their roster would look like for this upcoming season. But from here on out, you know, you could see with Josh Carlton graduating, uh, Frank Kepneg or Mac Etienne uh, from the area, um, Samson Johnson's another big man from the Patrick School that uh, played alongside Snogo. In high school that UConn just offered, uh, in the backcourt, Rasul Diggins is another lead guard, um, top 50 prospect in 2021 that the Huskies are pretty heavily involved with. And then we're talking about a Trey Harrison type, a Jordan Hawkins type, um, Ja'Kai Robinson type. Um, more depth on the wing is definitely um, a, a major need for UConn next year. When you're out there talking with recruits, the UConn uh... – basketball program the past few years it has certainly had it, it its ups and downs and, and it seems to be on the rise what's the perception of UConn like amongst recruits a, a, as you talk to them and, and get their thoughts just like what you said I mean it's on the rise I mean it's, it's definitely a program that is uh it reverberates throughout some of the best um with some of the best prospects in, in the younger classes um they're getting to become accustomed to you know, what Dan Hurley's about and that blue collar mantra and what UConn basketball was about uh, back in the mid and early in, you know, the 2000s. So I, I definitely think it's on the uh, on the uptick and we're seeing that with the recruiting wins that they've had of late. And I'll get you out of here with, with this question. How has the recruiting game changed for coaches? Because I know you, you talked about it earlier about Hurley having to really hit on all different levels, whether it's freshmen, transfers. How, how has that game changed with, with the amount of recruiting they're having to do, uh, not only you know looking for incoming freshmen, but, but throughout transfers and, and those types of players? Yeah, it, it, it is just so fluid right now with the transfer round. The transfer portal is the number one thing anymore um, during the springtime. And if this one-time transfer rule does go through um not this year but probably next year uh it's going to put even even a greater emphasis on the transfer realm um and taking prospects that might not be getting it done elsewhere or might not be happy elsewhere or are better than the level they're playing at that's probably the the, the biggest 
um, the, the, the highest um, level that needs to be really tapped into further and further is that transfer realm. High school kids are always going to get some love, um, but it's a transfer realm that's what it's all about. And also the name, image, and likeness that adds another layer to this all is how do you how do you throw out your program um, to these top prospects and um, add it to your recruiting pitch? And that's that's the giant question mark for a lot of schools right now. Corey, I lied. I've I've got one more for you uh, that that I'd be remiss to to not to not ask here. Um, what are you hearing in, in terms of these prospects and, and recruits about that jump to the G League and what's going on there? You know, it, it seems if you're online, you know, it's either the death of college basketball or it's going to be okay. What are your thoughts on, on how that stands? Yeah, it's far from it. I mean, as of right now. This is a select program. It's for the top four, top five players out there. This is not a blanket 30 or 40 um, kid program. It could be down the line. It could be a 20 to 25 prospect program. That's down the line. And that's if the one and done rule is still in effect three, four years from now. As of now, you know, it, it, it's, it's about select few. Now, is there a trickle-down effect? Yes. It's going to take a, a player away from a Duke in Kentucky, which might take away a player from a UConn or Louisville, which might take away a player from George Washington and Fordham. Um, but as of now, it, the college game might miss on a couple prospects. Um, Jalen Green's transcendent. You know, Dacian Nix would have been awesome at UCLA. But this is definitely not the end of the death of college basketball as we know it. Awesome. Corey, I really appreciate the insight into all things recruiting. Uh, Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Definitely. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at ctscoreboardpod, the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.